Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms, the story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step based organizations or groups in any way. This is the second episode of season three. You know, season three is all my coworkers and everyone I work with, part of my recovery team, my work team. And I tell you right now, I have Ashley S. on the show today. Welcome, Ashley. Hi. Hi. I don't know. <laughs> and so I heard Ashley speak, and obviously I've worked with her for about a year now, and I heard her speak uh, probably a couple months back, and she straight blew my hair back. Usually I'm the one blowing the hair back, but at this at this speaker meeting, she blew my hair back. So I couldn't think of a better person um, to have on the show than her today. And, you know, when I think about, you know, we've known each other for how long now? Year. Just about a year, right? Yeah. Just about a year. And we work side by side together and to see her grow with the company and everything she does recovery related outside of work and, you know, starting out overnights and then, you know, working into a swing shift morning shift. And then ultimately it's just me and her there every single day now. So to have this ability to uh, share this moment with you is pretty damn cool. So thank you for being here. But we don't just start out, you know, working in recovery. Usually we all have a passion for recovery and usually it's because, we found recovery personally, and we know how important it is to share our experience. So let's start where your journey really starts. I mean, shout out Boston. Yeah. 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 And you know what's crazy is when you get upset, the Boston accent comes out <laughs> in you. I always say you're getting real Boston on me right now. So you were born in Boston. So why don't you share a little bit about what it was like growing up in Boston, where you're from, and what that time period looked like for you? So, um, I grew up in a small city called New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, it's 45 minutes away from Boston, but I was always in Boston. Um, I grew up into a family of alcoholics and addicts. Um, so that's all I knew. Um, I, you mean you experienced a lot of trauma during this period of time? I experienced uh, so much trauma. Um, I mean, I started to using when I was nine, I used moonshine and psychedelics. Oh, moonshine? Moonshine. Distilleries like of the fla- forest. Like flavored you know, moonshine? Apple pie moonshine. Oh, apple pie moonshine. Yeah. Okay, so you started using moonshine, and then what happened after that? I mean, we're talking nine years old, so we're t- what is that? That's third grade? Yeah. Third grade, fourth grade? I mean, your story is just, I mean, it's full of trauma, and it, you know, when we look back on our on our life and we get to see everything that's happened to us and we see why we continue to use drugs and alcohol, it's the relief we get from the trauma, from negative emotions that we experience. You know, that's what we why we use. And we really don't really figure that all that out until we do like a four and a five. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you bounced around for a period of time. So once you started using, you know, at nine years old, what was the next time period like for you? So uh, <clears throat> I wasn't living home at that time. I wasn't really getting along with my family too well. Uh, I was a problem child in their eyes. They didn't understand that I had gone through trauma. And so, and I didn't tell them until I was, uh, you know, old enough to understand that I had gone to tra- uh, through trauma. And then uh, I just. Um, yeah. So you started at about 16 years old. Let's just jump up there. So 16 yeah. years old. You just started using, right? What did you start using at 16? I started to use crack and heroin. Um, How was that? I mean, you know, I couldn't use one without the other. Oh, the combo? Yeah. 
Okay. I, I couldn't use just one without the other because, like, I'm afraid, I was afraid I'd have a heart attack <laughs> if I didn't have something to come down on. So you needed the lemon juice. Yes. Um, and uh, so I ended up, um, some dude taught me how to actually sell. And so at 16, I started to become a big-time drug dealer. And um, then I moved to Southie. Oh, the town? Oh, yeah. Like shout out armored car yeah. robberies. Yeah. I mean that. So that, I mean you were literally right where they f- filmed that movie, right? Yeah. So what was that time period like for you in Southie? Uh, so it was very hectic. Um, there's a lot of uh, different gangs in one vicinity, and uh, so <laughs> trying to sit there and be, come up on something, and you know, I never thought that I'd ever amount to anything. So I thought this was my life. This is how I have to live, and so. Um, Shit went sideways real fucking quick, and I got 86 from Southie. Wait, wait. They said, you're gone? You can't ever come back? Mm-hmm. You're gone. 86. Mm-hmm. So what else was going on in Southie, though? Like, what's that all about? Because I see the movie. Town is a great movie. Yeah. But what's Southie really like? I mean, it's full of gangs, and you're just running around. And, I mean, you're a pretty small uh, woman, if you will. Right, but I was, <laughs> I was very violent. I was a very violent person, especially when I was on the mixture. Yeah. And so when I talk about selling drugs in my story, I always want to act like I was making money. But were you actually making money? Yeah, I had I had um, a couple million dollars buried in the backyard. Oh, you were doing good. And when she went sideways, I had to pay that off and I didn't quite have enough to pay it off. Oh, they put that large bounty on your head, yeah. huh? So because <laughs> so, yeah. so, you didn't have the rest of the money you had to go. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you got 86 from there, where did you go? I went back to New Bedford. And uh, shit went sideways from there. Um, I mean, there's a lot of sideways shit going on. I mean, there is because, like, <laughs> you know, I because uh, you're doing crack and heroin. Crack and heroin is fucking <laughs> it's, it's a beast. It is, you know. And um, so when I went back to New Bedford, um, I started to um, shoot up for the first time, and mm. uh, that was who introduced you to that. Um. Someone I thought was my good time friend, but he also introduced me to heroin, and then he shot. He, he helped me do that, and then it was a wrap. What did he see you smoking? And he's like, "Hey, check it out. You're wasting it." I was, you can't smoke it out there. It's oh, not like out here. Oh, it's not the tar. It's no, the China White. Yes. Oh, see, so, <laughs> so you can't smoke it. No, he's only snorted. Uh-huh. And so he said, you know what, why you'll, don't you try a better way? You'll get a better high this way. And so, would you remember what it was like the first time you did that? The first time you used a needle and shot up. I mean, it was euphoria, and then every time after that, I was trying to chase that euphoria because I was escaping myself in a sense. You know, I had to um, sit there and sit with my feelings when I was coming down, and then I'd do anything I can. I'd hustle. I was a hustler. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Before I started. Well, you've been pretty much been on your own since nine yeah. years old. So you I mean when we talk about hustling, we're talking about selling dope, we're talking about boosting, yeah, all that. Mm-hmm. My you ever steal any cars? I have. Yeah, I figured, yeah. <laughs> like with a screwdriver still cars? I mean, with, with oh, yeah. oh, you had a Slim Jim? Yeah. <laughs> so we're stealing cars, we're, you know, we're, we're selling drugs, we're, we're living on the streets, we're using a needle, and typically that doesn't end very well for us. So, you know, you end up getting arrested. So what happened? You got arrested? Yes. Um, so I got arrested a couple times driving without a license. I never tried to get my license. Um, and I just would drive people around, especially uh, my drug dealers at the time. And, um, so this one time I got caught up and I had drugs on me and 
weed out there. It wasn't legal. So, you know, they sent me to adolescent ward at a prison because we didn't have county jail. That was fun. Do you remember what it was like when you, when you first walked? Were you scared? I had everything in my prison wallet. I was oh, fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you came locked and loaded? I did. Oh, you were ready to, you were ready to roll. But That's the, how you walked around the streets? No. Oh, you already knew what time it was? No. I would drive around with people and we'd hide things under the air filter or the, or the spare tire. So you get arrested and you go to adolescent prison and, you know, you you know, you know came with drugs? I did. And suboxone. Like, I was prepared. Oh, yeah. You were real prepared. Yeah. <laughs> how long did you actually stay there, though? Six months. So you did six months in adolescent prison, if you will. And then, you know, you get out. When you were getting ready to get out, did you have that, oh, I'm going to do different this time? And Yes. I wrote my parents like a three-page letter. You made an amends? I did. You're just like, yeah, you're just like me. We work step one, then we work step nine. Yeah. Those are the only yeah. steps we work. <laughs> Powerless and unmanageable, and I can't lie my way out of it anymore. So straight to step nine. I'm sorry. That's what you did? Yeah. And then what happened when you got out? Um, so they, they actually let me out when it was a, one of the worst snowstorms of the year, and I was in shorts because it was been six months. <laughs> and it was a three-foot snowstorm. So, like, I called my parents to come pick me up, and my dad's like, nah. Like, nah. You're going to get home on your own. So just like they always say for my family from New York, and they're like, yeah, I had to walk uphill barefoot in the snowstorm. You actually had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that had to be cold. You weren't hitchhiking? No. I mean, it takes it takes an hour and a half to walk from one side of the city to the other in the little city I live in. Okay. So you, and then where do you go? To your parents' house? Yeah. I went to my parents' house briefly, and then uh, I, I left course to go get high again yeah i'll be right back yeah did you tell me you're going to a meeting no you didn't know nothing about the meeting i didn't know meeting. nothing about meeting no <laughs> i'll be right back i'll be right back and then i you understand that you've seen a therapist yes um so i uh went to go see a therapist because like i kept having breakdowns and freakouts and i was violent and like every relationship i was in it was to not be homeless at that time and i'd end up violent beating the shit out of them and uh so i went to see a therapist and they diagnosed me with a bunch of mental health issues um like bipolar manic depressive um schizophrenia um so you had that quadruple diagnosis yeah yeah a bunch of diagnoses and so they put me on a bunch of ativan and xanax and like my mom was there and uh she she was telling them everything that i wasn't telling them you know? yeah uh-huh. and so I ended up using that when I got back to my parents' house. It was like a week of living with them, and I was fed up with my mom's shit. I ended up turning her house into like a fucking homeless camp, you know? Yeah, hey, you come stay with me. Yeah. Don't even trip. Mom, this is my friend. Yeah. I just met her, him. It's like a little small room. There's like 13 of us with a bunch of blankets and shit on the floor. You got Tent City and your mom's in a spare bedroom. Yep. Oh, they didn't like that very much. No. Did they try to tell you something about that? Yeah, we were fighting all the time. Um, but my mom came in one time, and I was uh, sniffing all my Ativan, and I blacked mm. out, and I uh, I beat the shit out of my mom, and I, I regret that to this day because, like, she didn't deserve that, yeah. you know? And um, so I ended up going to a psych ward for three months. You know, that's the first of three. Three I, trips to a psych ward. Yeah. So you were walking around with the socks on with the grip on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in yeah. in a gown. Yeah, doing the Thorazine shuffle. Yeah, <laughs> did they have good? Yeah, did they have good food there? Were you yeah. eating a bunch of cereal or what? 
Yeah, I was. No, they had like a, they would bring you out into the cafeteria and like they'd have like a salad bar. Like it was really nice, like really <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so you're you're there for three months, and then you have those same resolutions like you always do. This is going to be different this time. I'm going to take my meds as prescribed. I'm going to I'm going to do things different. No, I had more hatred than I did before. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now you're even angrier than you were before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so this is where you become, you know, that song, Trap yeah. Queen. Trap Queen, yeah. So what's that all about? You know, tell a little bit about, you know, why I say Trap Queen. What were you doing? So I was, um, I was selling, of course, and I was uh, making good money, and um, I would always pay people to um, get apartments and this and that, get cars, put everything in someone else's name, so it wasn't ever drawn back to me, and I would just be selling out of it i'd have like you know a few trusted runners and like they'd be at each house and that that was my life like a a young griselda blanco yeah kind of you know (laughs) and so you have how many apartments did you have uh i want to say seven seven yeah i mean you're doing the thing there was a couple in fall river which is like 20 minutes away and then like one in fairhaven and then in bedford like and you're just bouncing spots. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a, you're bouncing around. <laughs> All right. So you're selling dope. You know, you just got out of a psych ward and, you know, then you run back into your brother. Yes. Um, so I meet back up with my brother. Um, we've always, like, got along, been on the same page. Um, but then I started to get high with him. I didn't know he was already getting high, but, like, I fucked his life up more and showed him the needle. Yeah. And that's like, I always like, I kept going against morals that I had. And I'm like, I never want anyone to go down this. Cause I would tell people if they'd ask me, like, if I'd shoot them up for the first time, I'd tell them no. But I did it to my fucking brother. Yeah. You know? And so shit went downhill from there, man. Me and my brother were running and gunning, robbing fucking his job, which he worked at a car wash. And, um, <laughs> like, yeah. You were hitting licks at the car wash? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised. So just come up. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we'll give you that 1999 wash. Right. And then you just write on the books, they only did the 999 or what? Yeah. And then, uh, we'd end up like, uh, stealing the change and showing that. Yeah. You get to drill and you go drill out the mm-hmm. whole, you know, the self-wash kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's just getting worse. Yeah. And so it's safe to say that, you know, once you started using your brother, all those seven apartments and everything you had going on was gone. Um, yes, I became the hopeless variety. I, I, What's the hopeless variety look like for you during that time? Hopeless variety is robbing my parents. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it happens. Uh, just running around with my brother everywhere, driving our drug dealers places so that we can get fucking shit for free. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I know also during this period of time, you started catfishing. Oh. Are we talking like the MTV show catfishing? I mean, worse than that, but yeah, you know, like. When we say catfishing, what's that mean? So I would uh, go on Facebook and other social media back page too oh ba- shout out back page back page <laughs> yeah <laughs> ain't and, nothing good happening on back page no. they shut that shit down and uh, so i used to get these people to send me money and promise them that i'd meet up with them and the ones that i did meet up with we would take to a hotel room and rob them like, like at gunpoint or you like slip them some like roofies or something well i've done that a couple times yeah but <laughs> just depending on how big they are it determines on what you're gonna do yeah yeah <laughs> And then you become a sugar baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so is this like the progression of the from catfishing the next stage is you know robbing old men like old old I men wasn't robbing the old men i would actually go out on dates with them but i would only go with old men that couldn't get it up anymore the ones that didn't have viagra prescriptions yeah no. <laughs> they were like 75 like they were old they just yeah. wanted to hang out yeah and they'd give me a pretty good allowance each week like <laughs> you know they just come swoop you up take you out to dinner you got some money coming in yeah but when we're talking about the hopeless variety and we're talking about the progression of our disease and it continues to get worse and worse and worse you know, and then you end up taking the next step that comes with that. What's that look like for you? That's selling myself on Main Street. Um, Main Street, Boston. Main Street, New Bedford. Yeah. But it, it, I bounced around to each other Main Street because there's a Main Street in almost every town in, the, in Massachusetts. It's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, now it's getting real bad for you. Yes. And you, we always say that. We always say, well, I would never do that. And I'm never going to be like that. I'm not going to ever... You know, I would never sell myself. I would never use a needle. I'm never going to do crack. I'm never going to do heroin. I only do pills. I'm not going to be a junkie. I don't do meth. I'll never do it. And then when we look back over, you know, for both of us, almost 20 years of active addiction, yeah. I mean, we pretty much did everything. Have you seen that, that one of those? Uh, I know you've seen it because you're a TikToker, yeah, I right? Am, I am. You know, and it's like, <laughs> check off all the things that you, you know, and it says, raise a finger, yep, yep. raise a finger. I mean, you got all them fingers up, huh? Yep. <laughs> and so um, that time period lasts for like a decade. Yeah. Like, because we were talking until you're like 26. Yes. So that's a very long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard life to be living out there on the streets like that. Yeah. When you think about it, does it even seem real? Like you even did all that? It, it doesn't. But when I have the flashbacks, because, you know, more will be revealed. Mm, that's true. Um, then I, I, I put, I'm like, I'm like, damn, the, what did I do? Yeah. You know, but I'm actually, I'm also grateful that I went through everything that I went through. Yeah, because now you're more qualified to help others. Yeah. And you have the ability to help many. And you do constantly, not just with, with work at the sanctuary um, where we both work, but also, too, in your you know path of recovery. I mean. You know, we'll get to that point. Um, but ultimately, usually when things go real bad, you know, when we're finally fed up enough and usually we call mom or dad. So you call dad and what happens? Yes. Um, so I called dad and uh, he brings me to the house and he goes and leaves for work. And then I call him back and I'm like, listen, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I just I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. And uh, so he sections me. And I What's that mean? Section means that you are court ordered to go to a um, psychiatric hold, and it, it's well, they fifty one fifty you. Yeah, it's <laughs> called section back home. <laughs> um, and so you know, I spent like a day underneath the courthouse, and I went to this lockdown facility in uh, Jamaica Plains, Boston. Oh my god, it's so ghetto there. It's hood over there. Oh, it's hood. It's, oh my god, and. Uh, so I went to this lockdown facility on the 13th floor, and it was like a glorified babysitting place. They had a little bit of recovery, and like, did I, they have any 12 step stuff going on over there? They did, but it was mainly like music therapy. Let's listen to depressing music, and, listen to some emo music, and, and cry. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's safe to say you didn't find recovery there. But how long were you there for? I was there for nine months. And uh, I felt pretty happy about it. And uh, I told my parents when it was time for me to be released that I didn't want to go back home because everyone I knew was drinking and drugging. So, like, I, I just didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't feel safe. 
And so uh, we have this like crazy idea to call my brother who lives in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you got here. That is how I got here. I took a plane for the first time in my life and I got here and it was literally a freeze back home. And then I get here and it's 120 degrees because I came June 2017. <laughs> that was, that was like, yeah, it ain't no joke. That was a climate change. Yeah. Man. Well, my family comes out here from New York in the wintertime for Christmas. They want to go swimming. Yeah. Like it's swimming weather to them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so you, you show up out here and, you know, your brother told your parents that, you know, he was sober and that he lived in Scottsdale, right? Yeah. Maybe not Scottsdale, but, but he was doing big things out here. Not what happened? Yeah. What happened when you got here, though? <laughs> oh, man, I got here and he lived in the only apartment complex. Like it was a house turned into three apartments on. Uh, Are we talking about like legitimately turned into three apartments or like sheets hung up? Like, like a tri-level? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like a duplex? No, it was a house. It was one, one floor with a garage and the garage was an apartment and then the house was turned into two apartments. It was mm. weird. Sounds like some real tweaker shit. Yeah. And uh, he lived on 17th Ave and Van Buren. Oh, shout out Van Buren. Woo. Jimmy Jacks. God. <laughs> you know. Okay. So you show up there. It's 120 degrees and your brother's doing the worm or what? Um, no, I didn't find out for a couple of days that he was doing the worm in the garage. <laughs> and he was in a locked door and like I opened it and he's like, just and he's paused. Sm- <laughs> like, he's smoking meth. Yeah. And so they don't really don't have meth back east. Mm-mm. You've never seen it before. Nope. Uh-oh. Nope. And so what happens then? Well, you know, I, I thought, oh, it's not my drug. I won't get addicted to it. You know, it's not cracking heroin. So I ended up doing it and, uh. I stood up for 38 days. <laughs> 38 days? What the hell were you doing? Making a spaceship? I mean, I was just walking around. Oh, you just like, wandering. Yeah. Just getting, getting a feel for your surroundings? Yeah. And I was stuck at the house that night. And I was just doing circles. And my brother's like, you got to sleep, bro. Yeah. You gotta yeah. Sleep. You got to chill out. You're making your rounds around this house. Yeah. You're checking the perimeter. Yeah. And so you start doing meth and, you know, do you remember the first time you did it? I mean, you're up for 38 days, but wasn't like anything you'd done before, right? No, it was a hot rail. Well, that's how you started. Yeah. A hot rail right yeah. off the jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. So you're living on 17th Avenue Van Buren, which, you know, it's Van Buren, yeah. you know, and uh, now you're doing meth. Now you're out and easy. You're living with your brother um, and it goes bad real quick out here and you actually become homeless, like homeless, homeless. Cause you've been on your own since you were nine, but you, you know, you were selling dope and you were able to hustle and you're able to do those things where yeah. you weren't like homeless. Yeah. I could always come back to my parents, but then I'd end up, you know, getting kicked out or leaving again. Yeah. We're not talking about sleeping on the streets Yeah, until now. Yeah. So now you're homeless in Arizona. What was that like? Oh, oh man. Um, so at first I stayed at the Circle K Motel. That was fun. Circle K Motel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right above 19th oh, I, I know yeah. where it's at. Yeah. Oh, I know where it's at. So, you know, um, I met this dude. And they didn't have Wi-Fi there, did they? They, they did not. Yeah. They did not. <laughs> I had a phone, though. Yeah. I had service for a little while. And then you had to go to McDonald's and use a free Wi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I met this dude, and he showed me the ropes. And he showed me uh, how to sell out here. For some reason, I always grab, gravitate towards people who show me how to sell. Yeah. And... Uh, so I stood out here for a little bit, you know, going down to Central and selling over there on my little 20-inch, you know. Oh. I would wear these, like, 
vests that were like long and uh, they were see-through and that's how you knew I had shit on. Oh, me. that means that you're, means yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. It's weird, weird system. <laughs> but, uh, but I was so twacked out that like, I thought it was fine. You I, thought everything was good, huh? I was good. You yeah. Know, shit, they don't know me. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I'm from Boston. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't know me. Right. So then you're rolling around in Van Buren, central area, homeless, but you're selling dope, barely scraping by. And then you try like a somewhat geographical move. Yeah. Shit went sideways with him. My, my, my the dude. Yeah. My credentials got stolen along with all my math. And um, so I drove down to, uh, I drove down 19th Avenue. You drove or rode your bike? I rode my bike. <laughs> I rode my 20 inch. Okay. You rode from Van Buren to Dunlap? Yeah. All methed out. You probably got there quick. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I met a couple people on the way. Yeah, you, know? you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. And I get to Dunlap and I'm like, this is it. This is the spot. And I got stuck. I, I truly got stuck there. On 19th and Dunlap? On 19th and Dunlap. Castles and coasters? Yeah. Right at the, there's a bank next to the QT and I used to sleep outside of that. And they never fucked with you. No, nothing. Nothing. So you were there for what? A uh, couple years. A couple years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're on 19th and Dunlap, and then you meet another guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a dude I call my baby daddy. Um, so I met him, and uh, we ended up having sex. But mind you, I'd have sex with, like, a couple different people at that mm-hmm. time. And, uh, you know, promiscuous, it's meth yeah that's meth that's meth for you that's meth yeah and then uh i get arrested for the first time and i finally understand why they call them one time out here you didn't know what that meant i didn't meant. understand that at all. you didn't know what they were saying no and then you figured it out i figured it out they said one time and a cop showed up yeah yeah <laughs> you connected the dots oh, one time for the one time like yeah. you know <laughs> one time they arrest you that's it they know you yeah that's it yeah and that's how it works <laughs> I mean, you, you come to Arizona and from vacation, you you know leave on probation. You come yeah. back on a revocation, and then you stay on parole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much how it works in AZ. Um, and so you meet another guy, and you actually get pregnant, right? Yep. You're pregnant with twins. I got pregnant with twins, and uh, I'm, I'm super small at that time. And I got, and the way I found out was I got arrested for the first time, like truly arrested, and sent to the matrix. And uh, they told me I was pregnant, and I cried. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And uh, so I told myself that I'd do good when I got out, and I just couldn't. I couldn't, not even for my child, my children. And so you're pregnant. You got a drug habit because it lets you pretty much right back out of jail. You found out you were pregnant in jail. Yeah. Um, and then you switched up men during this period of time. You're pregnant, and you still switched up dudes? Yeah, I was living in a bando. Abandoned house. Oh yeah, and uh, it did was you, a nice abandoned house. Did you like make it your own? Like put pictures up on the wall. I did. The I used to steal solar <laughs> solar panels and make the hot water like go and the electricity go. <laughs> so you you weren't just squatting in an abandoned house. You moved in. Yeah, I was very innovative. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> meth will do that. We think we're extremely innovative when we're using meth. Yeah. And so you end up, uh, you know, switching up dudes. It's the dudes brother or something his uh street brother street brother what the hell does that even mean so they're street families like you have a mom and dad brother sister like literally like these people are supposed it to sounds be. like some perryville shit it's weird it's 
none of them actually take care of you and they all end up robbing you and leaving you anyway. You know what I mean? Okay. So you switched up for a street brother and now you're doing heroin and meth. Yes. Cause I, uh, I couldn't hit myself. And so uh, I was having him do it and he mixed it. And, uh, Oh, and that's when you found out. Yeah. And you're like, why am, why am I... I withdrawing? Yeah. <laughs> and so for the first time you started experiencing withdrawal. I mean, and I'll never forget the first time that I actually like experienced withdrawal, right? Like it's all fun and games when you got, when you're on and everything's good. But the minute you start from opiates and heroin and, and pills and you start feeling that withdrawal, I mean, it's a whole nother thing. And that's when we say getting well, I'm just trying not to feel like I'm going to die today right. just to get out of bed. But you're pregnant with twins at this time. And so now you're doing heroin and meth and, you know, you know, you're going to have the baby and you know that, you know, they're going to test you, you know, CPS is going to get involved. And so you try to quit, right? Yes. So I, I end up meeting this dude and he takes me to his house over in Moon Valley. And, uh, I stay there for a little while and I try to quit because he really wants me to stop so that I, I don't lose the children. And I agree to it. And, uh, my body starts to, reject the babies I guess I don't know but I, I had a miscarriage but I only lost one and then my my crazy mind thought you know maybe I'll, I'll just do enough to not lose the other and yeah so, if I only do a little bit then I'll at least be able to keep the one yeah and uh, you know I thought that was fine and, and but I still knew that the baby was going to get taken and you still knew that right and so yeah. you know when we think about those things and that I mean everything that you've been through I mean we haven't even got into like the real deep-seated trauma that's about to happen to you but you know when we think about all these things when we feel this shit losing a baby losing our kids to CPS being homeless uh running around the streets of Arizona just living on Van Buren's traumatic yeah right let alone Southie and Boston and using at nine and everything that you've been through when we really think about all those things we don't like that shit so what do we do we get high and we yeah. use more and we use more because that's what we have. We have the mental obsession, the physical allergy, I obsess over wanting to change the way I feel. And then I put any, any sort of mind altering substance into my body. I get the physical reaction and the physical reaction is called craving. But now you're in AZ and when you're in AZ, they arrest your ass. Yes. And so you get arrested again. You're seven months pregnant. And what happens? So it was the same cop that arrested me the first time. And he told me, he's like, I'm going to make sure you stay in jail this time. But I wasn't there for that much, like 30 days. And uh, they put me on methadone. Which is rare. Rare while I was there. Because you were pregnant, though. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want me to have withdrawals. And so uh, I get out of there and I stay on methadone for a little while. But it wasn't enough. Like being homeless. And being on methadone. And, and like, being pregnant. And being pregnant and just being on Northern in general. Oh, now you're on Northern? Yeah. Oh, the QT on 35th? Yeah. Oh, by the Motel 6 over there? Yeah. I, th I heard they closed that place down. Is it yeah. true? Thank God. Yeah. Nothing good happens over there. Wait, no. I don't think they do. Is it a different one? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've stayed at that Motel 6. They've been tearing down a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, they always leave the light on over there. Yeah. All the tweakers are up all night. And they all got the lights on. Yep. Yeah. The light's always on over there. Um, and so you end up, uh, you know, getting arrested again. And, you know, this time, you, you know, you have the baby yep. while you're in jail. Yeah. So, well, no, I didn't have the baby while I was in jail. Um, I ended up having Braxton Hicks and I went to the hospital. Oh, you went to the hospital. Yeah. And so then I got released and then I ended up going in labor and I went to LBJ. No, uh, J John C. Lincoln. Oh, John, John C. Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. John I was C. Lincoln. Jail. <laughs> um, 
John C. Lincoln, and they don't have a maternity ward there. I don't like that hospital at all. They always treated me bad. Um, oh, maybe because you came in there with track marks. I did, yeah. Yeah, they, they frown upon that. They would always, like, tie me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so they med-flighted me to the county jail, uh, county hospital, and that's where I had my daughter. Um, and so I got to hold her once because I, I was too focused on actually getting high to sit there and be in the present. And um, so I held her, and then me and my parents, my parents actually came out to see my daughter. Um, from Massachusetts and they stood down there for like a week and I stood with them in the hotel and I left and I went and got high. I'll be right back. Yeah. And, uh, then I went on methadone. And then you started to, you know, get into the CPS. It's called DCS now out here, but you yeah. started getting into the whole CPS thing. And then, you know, that's a whole runaround. Well, especially, I mean, you were trying to do the right thing. I was. Yeah. And so they switched your case manager four times and tell you. Yeah. And so you end up getting the idea that this shit ain't going to work out. I'm going to lose my daughter. And so, again, we experience negative emotions and more traumatic events on top of, you know, the last 10, 15 years of your life and all you've experienced. And so now it feels worse every time. And, you know, when I think about that, you know, you know, it makes me think of the doctor's opinion where it says we use because we like the effect. That's why we do it. We like it. But the sensation's elusive. The elusive sensation when, when it was fun um, when we can control and enjoy it, our drug addicted life seems the only normal one. It begins to be normal to live the way that we live. Yeah. And when we're sober, we're restless, irritable, and discontent unless we can get high again, right? Which So we can experience a sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by getting high. And we see others that can take it with impunity. And once we succumb to the desire again, so many do, they pass through the well-known stages of the spree. And this is my point. We obsess over it. The desire happens. We relapse. Whenever that relapse ends, we feel extremely remorseful. But what do we do? We repeat it. Yep. It's another remorse event for you. Remorse, remorse, repeat, repeat, repeat. And so you know, every time we feel after living in that cycle, like a hamster on a hamster wheel for you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it feels so bad on top of everything we've been through. The only thing we know how to do is get high. And so that's what you do. Yeah. But I mean, this adventure out here goes from bad to worse. to worse and so you've been kidnapped five times so i want you to share because i know it's a very big part of your story so why don't you share a little bit about i mean some of those experiences and you know what that time because you were on a suicide mission I, right I was, and yes. so what was that time period like for you so i was running around i was on hatcher this time oh shout out sunny slope <laughs> hatcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, i started to get followed and I didn't understand what was going on. I thought I was tripping because, you know, I stay up for like weeks on end. And uh, Well, you know, a lot of people are always like, oh, they were following me. And most people are like, yeah, okay, whatever. But no, nah, they were following you. Yeah, I actually had people pull over and call my name. Like I used to have hair down to my um, butt cheeks. Yeah. And like I found rusty scissors after some dude stopped and tried to call me to the car. And I cut it all off because I thought he wouldn't recognize Yeah, he won't know me now. Yeah, he won't know me now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I ended up getting kidnapped for the first time. And um, it was by a sex trafficking ring. Mm. And uh, apparently someone had sold me into it because my credentials kept getting stolen. Every time I'd get an ID, it'd just be gone. Like my social security card, my birth certificate, all that got stolen in the first week I was homeless, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up, like, giving me a warning this time, but they they dropped me in a bucket, a blue and clear lid bucket, 
in water and I had to escape. And like that, I didn't remember that at first. I just remember that I was kidnapped, but I didn't remember that. And then um, I'll get yeah, we'll get later. to that. Yeah, yeah, when you started doing some work on your trauma and oh, seeing yeah. therapists and working the steps and the miracle aspect of your story, um, then you start to you know dig that up because you got to treat it. We can't yeah. just you know sometimes we think that all we got to do is work the twelve steps and our life's going to get better, but we got to treat that trauma. Yeah, and you know it, it needs qualified professionals. Yeah, sponsors are not qualified professionals to treat trauma. No. Right. So you've seen a professional and you've treated it and you're able to recall that, but that wasn't the only time. So what? Where were some of the other times you've been kidnapped? So um, the second time I was kidnapped, I was um, I was brought to different houses and uh, sold to different men. Um, but I was also chained up in, in the house. It was a trap house and like I was chained up and I couldn't leave. Um, an entity sent, saved me that time. The third time, um, I spent just a couple of weeks and, uh, a really good friend of mine actually bought me and took me out of there. So he like bought you from them. Yeah. Like paid to get you out. Yeah. I mean, damn. Yeah. The fourth time that they took me, it was, I spent six months. I went to all over. I went to Mexico. I, I went a bunch of different places. And uh, I had to do some really crazy things to get away from that time. I had to save myself that time because they weren't. Yeah, they weren't trying to let you go. No, but um, but they tried to leave me. And, like, they left me with two people in the desert. And, like, they were going to. They were going to kill me because I was no longer abused. And so I had to escape. And I was like 80 pounds, you know, so the one. In the desert, 80 pounds yeah. after being kidnapped for six months. Yeah. And then you get kidnapped again? Uh, Yeah, by a drug dealer. Because, um, you know, I came back to Sunny Slope. Uh-huh. I'm back, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a drug dealer tied me up and kept me for a couple of days because he thought I stole some fucking, like, weird nickel from him and because he asked me to clean his house and clean up his dog and like i did i didn't steal anything from him and he was so paranoid that he tied me up and then the last time i got kidnapped was by uh, i was dating some kid and he brought me to this trap house and they tied me up and they actually took videos and put it on the dark web Um, i mean damn ash yeah i mean you've been through some things yeah and I told you guys in the beginning when I first started this episode, I heard her speak uh, at a speaker meeting of one of my service commitments. And, you know, I work with you for a I mean, We've talked about some of this shit, yeah. but we haven't ever, like, talked about it like that because we're working. We're, you know, we're talking. But when I heard your story, I was just like, it, it completely blows me away, the person you are today and just how powerful God is and what happens when we put the work in and we get experience a miracle in our lives. I mean... I mean, listening to this, it's just unreal what you've been through. I mean, I can't even keep track of how many times you've been kidnapped. And we're not talking about just just being kidnapped. We're talking about abuse that happens, you know, every single time or different forms almost every single time and a different way to get out every single time. And, you know, it's just a combination of of so many And people tried to save you and entities. We're not going to mention any names on here. Right. Um, but you know, people were trying to help, but we still got a drug problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And most of the time when you get kidnapped in order to continue to keep you and do those things, they keep you high. They keep you high most of those times. Yeah. Right. Um, almost thank God really. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Cause I was numb to it all. Right. And you know? so, um, 
And then uh, after the last time you got kidnapped, I mean, you still got a full-blown addiction. Yeah. Right? And so now it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And then you what? You get a brain infection, almost lose your arm. You know, explain those two different scenarios. So I, I met this dude, you know, uh, I, I already thought he was weird because he rode around with a little briefcase. What was in like, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas type briefcase? Yeah. He had all kinds of stuff in there? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and uh, so I met him over on Dunlap and uh, he brought me all the way out to 107th Avondale Web to like stay at his grandparents' house. And like, he kept me sedated most of the time. Like I was just in the bed and every time I start to wake up, he would give me a shot in my arm. And like uh, this last time he woke me up and he gave me a shot and it burnt and I was like that's weird then he told me to climb out the window take the bike and go to like uh jack-in-the-box around the corner and I had no idea where I was and so I just you know made it there and then uh he wasn't there because he said he'd meet me there and then I go back and he's like no you gotta go so I was like all right cool so I drove all the way from 107th and Del Webb on my little bicycle Mm -hmm. all the way we're talking surprise yeah all the way back to Sunny Slope. And by the time I made it back to Sunny Slope, because I had to keep stopping because my arm kept getting bigger and bigger, um, I, uh, it took me four days to actually make it to the hospital. I tried to go to John C. Lincoln, and I was like... Oh, he tried to give you a hot shot. Yeah. He so tried to kill you. I didn't know that. Oh, shit. I didn't know that until I got to St. Joe's, and they told me that I was so close to losing my arm because my arm was the size of my head. Like, they told me that there was uh, fake heroin, Coca-Cola syrup heroin, which made it, like, clump yeah. up. Yeah. Bleach and meth, all mixed in one. Damn. And, yeah. And you got a pretty gnarly scar from that. I do, yeah. you know, but it's a conversation starter. Yes, it is a conversation starter. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on how you're feeling, I mean, you could, that could be a whole, any type of story, the way that thing looks. <laughs> Right, but that's not the only physical, you know, because the the drugs and alcohol attack every single part of us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, we're spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically bankrupt. Um, but also, then too, you get a brain infection. Yes. So after this heals up, finally, um, I ended up driving around in this pickup truck, and God, this pickup truck, it would like it would it would stall out, and so we'd have to like push start it every like. 20 miles um and we were driving around and we, we were getting metal in this one day we, oh you were scrapping oh yeah we were scrapping yeah you know and uh this one day we had gotten stopped by the cops three times and i was already in psychosis like i was so bad like yeah. I, I was like abusive towards him and like yeah. i was just a horrible person that day and so we got stopped by the cops three times because you know i wanted to sit there with everything sprawled out outside the truck and yeah. like you guys gotta go yeah, you know, yeah. each time. Yeah. And they didn't arrest us. They just stopped us. And so we go to this park, Deer Valley Park, and uh, I'm in the bed of his pickup, just tossing all of his things out. Like, you're a cop. You're, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I was gone. And uh, he tries to leave me because he's diabetic, and he, his blood sugar level was at, like, 500. And he tried to tell me that he needed to go to the hospital, and I just wasn't, I wasn't there. And so he tried to leave me there. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna go into a diabetic coma. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. And um, so I held on to the outside of his truck with uh, all my might, with flip flops on, and uh, I fell. And he ran me over. He only ran over my foot. I still have the scars from it, but 
I thought he was trying to kill me. You know what I mean? So I flipped out. And then he finally was like, are you done? Like, I remember this. He's like, are you done? I'm like, yes. Can you bring me to the hospital? And he's like, all right. So we both go to the hospital. And uh, I get there. And my body's all swollen from getting run over and having a hip joint infection and a brain infection. Like, an arm. Yeah. And they're like, what is wrong with this chick? And I'm just like screaming at the top of my lungs. So I'm in a lot of pain now because I'm coming down. And uh, so they sedate me. And when I come to, like, I have a gnarly scar in the back of my head um, from them sticking a needle in my brain to relieve it. And it got infected because my body was like shutting down. It was shutting down. And so when I come to, they tell me, they're like, we have to call your dad, you know, because he's your um, next of kin. Well, yeah. Yeah. He's my emergency contact. Oh, emergency contact? Yeah. Yeah, they know you out here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he gave them consent, and I came to, and they're like, you were two months away from death. If you would have waited two more months, you wouldn't have been here. Like, and, and that still didn't stop me, you know? Yeah, it's crazy when we think about that. And it's, you know, it's that physical craving that we have for drugs and alcohol. It says that right there in the doctor's opinion. We have an allergy. It interests us. That's what the doctor's theory is. And, you know, it explains things which we can otherwise account. So when we think about all the stupid things and the insanity of our addiction, everything we've done to get and obtain drugs and stay high, we're not bad people. We're sick people with untreated illness. And so after spending some time in the hospital, you go to a nursing home, you move out to Buckeye and a sweet old lady takes you in. Yeah. Right. She takes you in and and in Avondale. Shout out Avondale. Yeah. Shout out Val Avondale. Oh, I shouldn't even have said that. But oh. she, she might get a traumatic experience from that. <laughs> Val, I owe you an immense for that. You didn't deserve to be treated that way. But you're out in Avondale. Right. And so, you know, you're with this old lady and then she asked you to clean her son's room out. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. So uh, her son was actually in uh, the detox right there. I forget what it's called. Copper Springs. Oh, Copper Springs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, we were way out there. I know exactly where it's yeah. at. So he was at Copper Springs and she asked me to clean out his room. And he had trays everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, come up. Yeah. You know, Thank like, you. Thank yeah. you, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> like after five months, I just threw it all away. And then he gets out of Copper Springs. And then uh, we ended up getting high together for a little while. And then I asked him to drop me off. Back at Hatcher and Tempath. Oh, back to the slope? Yeah. I mean, you can't get enough of Sunny Slope. That's your spot over there, huh? Everybody knew me there. Yeah. I mean, good and bad. And so you're at the you're at the slope now, but you know, you're right at the point now where you're getting ready to get, I mean, think about everything you've been through and any all the listeners that I have that listen to all my and follow me and support me. And I appreciate every single one of you guys that leaves me comments and shares all my material um, and all the amazing interviews of all the miracles that, you know, have happened in so many different people's lives that I continue to bring on the show. But now we're getting to the point where you get the, the gift, I say, of of pain and desperation. And so um, it's starting to run out. And so let me just set the tone for this, right? You're sitting on a couch yeah. on the side of the road yeah. with yeah. some blankets. Over it, yeah. Like a fort. You made a fort? Yeah. <laughs> you made a fort, okay, in the slope. You make a fort on the couch. You're sitting out there, and they're yelling one time. And it's, you know, you know the cops are coming, right? Everybody takes off running. But what do you do? I sit there because I, I, I'm to the point where – I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I thought the only way that I was going to get clean was if I uh, did the 10 to 12 years that I had over my head. But that's only if I got another charge. Right. And I didn't realize that. 
so the cops come and you're like, here I am. Yeah. You need to arrest my ass. I've been on the run for quite some time. Yeah, hey, excuse me, officer, I have a warrant. <laughs> I'm going to need you to take me in. Obviously, you can see I'm sitting on the couch fort on the side of the road in Sunny Slope, and I'm going uh, to need some help. And so that's where we're going to close out the you know, the rest of part one, we're going to close it out right there. You know, anyone ever listens to any of my stuff, you know, part one is the, the pain, the trauma, the insanity of our illness, um, the addiction and everything that comes with it, the traumatic events, and especially your story for everyone listening to it. I mean, there's just so much there um, that you truly are a miracle. So part two will be the miracle of her story, the, the woman that she is today, the amazing things and blessings and promises and everything that's happening in her life on a continuous basis because she continues to put the action steps in daily because that's how it works. We do the action steps. God takes care of the outcomes in our life and the outcomes in your life today are just proof that God's working A and B that you're taking the right actions. So part two of the amazing uh, episode and the interview with Ashley, um, S will be dropped two days from now. So tune in. Trust me, you do not want to miss it.